Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you want to be healed? That's the question Jesus once asked a paralyzed man in Jerusalem in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Do you want to be healed? I mean, just picture that scene. I mean, here's this guy. He's paralyzed for many, many years, suffering so much. And Jesus asks him, hey, do you want to be healed? Well, of course he does. Why does Jesus ask that question? I think those words through Scripture come to us today, and he asks us the same question. Do you want to be healed? I think he asks us that because part of us, maybe we don't want to be healed. Healed of our sins, healed of our weaknesses. A part of us likes our sins. Do you ever have this experience? Maybe, for example, you're watching a show on Netflix. There's a certain series you like, but deep down you know you probably shouldn't be watching this show. This isn't the kind of show you'd watch if Jesus was over for dinner. <laughs> you know, you, you might just be like, oh, uh, and you kind of been rationalizing it. And deep down, you know, as a Christian, I probably shouldn't have these images in my head all the time. But you, but you don't want to give it up, you know, or maybe there's a certain way you're treating someone and you're, you're, you're holding this resentment uh, and you don't want to forgive them. And you're just, you're, you've got this harbored resentment against this person uh, because of something they did to you a long time ago. And you don't want to give it up, but you're afraid. Do you, do, do you want to be healed? Jesus asks. And a part of you says, yeah, I want to be free of this. But another part of you says, no, I, I like having this control over this person and still being resentful against them. <laughs> I don't want to forgive them. You know, uh, Do you want to be healed? Maybe Jesus is asking you to spend more time with him in prayer. And you, you, you're afraid to give up your time and your freedom. And you, know, you don't want to have consistent daily prayer life as much as Jesus wants. You'll just say a few prayers here and there. You know, do you want to be healed? He asks. You know, there are many things that we have in life that we're afraid of really following Jesus to the full. You know, maybe, maybe you just, you have some plan in your life. You're like, you want this relationship just to work out. I've got to have this relationship to be happy, or I need this promotion. I need this title, or I need to live in this city, or I need to run this thing at the parish and be the one in charge, or I need to do the retreat this way. And we cling on to our plan. And, and maybe Jesus is asking us to just, surrender our plan to follow his plan. And we're scared. We don't want to do it. Do you want to be healed of that? Jesus asks. And a part of us is like, oh, I don't know. I, want to, I just really want this. I, I want this to work out. I want my plan to work out. <laughs> I don't want to give it up. There are many reasons why Jesus may ask that question, do you want to be healed? But for those that do want to be healed, they want to be healed of their attachments, healed of their sins, their weaknesses at the deepest level. If they long to be healed at that deepest level, they need the church. And that's what we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree. We're doing a, a two-part series here. Last week, we were considering the topic of this healing, this transformation, that the, the transformation God does in all the saints, he wants to do in ordinary people like you and me. And, and he accomplishes this amazing work through his church. But I admit, some of us may just go through the church. I mean, can't I just go and, you know, heal myself on my own? You know, I'll just go, I'd do a little retreat and do a self-assessment of here's my weaknesses and come up with a plan. You know, maybe I'll, I'll get a, a life coach to help me, you know, and they'll help me follow my plan. Maybe I'll read some self-help books and that'll help me. I'll come up with a self-improvement plan. Yeah. And I could just do this on my own. 
why do I need a church? Or I'll even call on God. I'll make it a spiritual life improvement plan. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll call on Jesus to help me. I believe in Jesus. And can't I just have a relationship with Jesus? Why do I need the church? Well, let's first of all talk about the church itself. This is fascinating. I'm going to share with you, do you know what the word church means? I, I, I think 99% of Christians have no idea what the church means. We use this word all the time. We think of it as a building or an organization. But the word church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia, ecclesia. And this is the word Jesus chooses to describe his disciples, those who are going to follow him. So if you want to follow Jesus, you're a part of the ecclesia, part of the church. But here's the fascinating part about this word ecclesia. Do you know what? It comes from two Greek words, ekkalain, which means to call out, to call out of, to draw out. To, to rescue. It's the word that's used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, in the Exodus story. It tells the story of Israel. They were slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh. And what did God do? Ekkalain. He called them out of Egypt. He called them out of slavery and to himself to meet him at Mount Sinai, to encounter him, and to, and to give them the promised land. They were called out of Egypt and into the promised land. That's the word Jesus uses to describe the relationship we have with him. If we want a personal relationship with Jesus, we want to live in friendship with Jesus, we need ecclesia, we need ekkalain, to be called out of our slavery and into the promised land of relationship with him. What's our slavery? It may not be under Pharaoh or some dictator. Our slavery is to sin. Our slavery is to our selfishness, to our pride, to our lust, to our vanity, to our anger, all those weaknesses, our limited ways of seeing things. No, no, Jesus wants to give us freedom. And he asks us, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed of your spiritual illnesses? Do you want to be healed of all your fears that keep you from living in peace? Do you want to be healed of, uh, of your pride, of, of wanting to always control and manage things on your own? Do you want to be healed of your struggles with lust, your struggles with anger? If you really want to be healed and you want true freedom, then you need ekkalin. You need to be called out of your selfishness, of your sin, and into Christ. That's the church, ekklesia, ekkalin. It calls us out of ourselves and into Christ. Now, I realize that today, this idea of following the church and being a part of the church may not be that popular, may seem odd, you know, especially in, in a secular age, because many people think in a secular world that all their problems are outside of themselves. You know, why do I suffer? Why am I sad? Why was I hurt? Why am I not happy? Well, it's because of other people. You know, my parents just didn't treat me well. It's their fault. And, you know, why, why am I not happy in my marriage? Well, it's because of my spouse. If my spouse would just change and be better and treat me better, then, then we'd have a happier marriage, you know? And why is my family life not as great as it is? Well, it's because my kids just don't behave. And if they just behave better, then, then, then I'd be happier. Or why, why is my professional life not taking off like I, I hope? Well, it's because my boss, my boss just doesn't get it. My boss doesn't understand me. The management doesn't appreciate me. Management doesn't give me enough resources. So it's, it's management's fault. It's the company's fault. It's my boss's fault. Or, you know, why am I not happy? Well, it's because the government, yeah, the government is all messed up. And, and so we're always looking outside. It's, it's, the, it's the people outside of us 
that cause all the problems. That's what our modern secular world is constantly feeding young people is that, no, you're special. You're amazing. You get a trophy. You should run after all your dreams. And, and, and what, what you're left with is when there's problems, it's other people's fault. That's why you have problems. The problems are outside of you. But I think about what the great G.K. Chesterton once said when someone asked him, what is the biggest problem in the world? Do you know what he said? G.K. Chesterton said, me. <laughs> What's the big, biggest problem in the world? It's me. In other words, he knew himself well. He knew that he had many weaknesses and sins, and he had original sin. That's the Catholic doctrine. We all have original sin. We don't enter into this world as little spiritual angels, you know, just perfect. No, no, no. We, we're wounded. We have sin. Now, don't get me wrong. Maybe your parents didn't treat you well, and they need to treat you better, and you need to set boundaries there. There may be things going on in, with your, in your marriage with your spouse, and your spouse needs to make changes. But what we want to do is ask, first of all, what can I be doing better in my marriage? How can I be a better parent and, and, and form my kids well in discipline and virtue? How can I be a better employee? How can I be a better parishioner instead of complaining about father or complaining about the DRE? You know, I should always ask interiorly the question first, what can I do to change? How can I love more like Christ? We have to recognize we have original sin. And if we don't recognize we're broken, that we have a fault, we're never going to say, I need a church. <laughs> so I think that's one thing out there in the water that keeps us from really seeing how much of a gift the church is in our lives. But another big question, and this is a sincere question, people say, well, why do I want to turn to the Catholic church? The church is such a mess. I mean, I know many Catholics and they don't live out their faith well. They're not models of Christianity. And there are many leaders in the church that are far from perfect. And you think about what's happened over the last two decades, there's been all these scandals. And why would I want to follow a church like that? Eh, that's a good, fair question. But here's what we have to see. We have to see the church with spiritual lenses. We have to see all of reality with the lenses of faith. And, and what we see is that, that God is working through what St. Paul calls earthen vessels. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4, he's talking about this great transformation God wants to do in our souls, this healing. Uh, that, that passage I mentioned last week from 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we're being changed into Christ-likeness from one degree of glory to another. And if I want to be changed into Christ-likeness, to think like him, to love like him, to serve like him, to sacrifice like him, I, if I want to be changed and to love like Jesus loves, what Paul goes on to say is this mystery of this salvation, this mystery of this work of transformation, being changed into Christ-likeness, that mystery, this wonderful spiritual heavenly treasure is passed on in earthen vessels. It's a beautiful image. He's writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 all about this amazing spiritual work that God does in our souls, this spiritual healing, being changed into Christ-likeness, this, this heavenly treasure that he gives in, into our hearts is amazing. And then in the next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, yeah, that treasure, that treasure of your salvation, of your transformation, of your healing, it is handed on in earthen vessels. <laughs> I, I think about something recently here. This is a funny story in the three household. So we, you know, we were, we were having wonderful holiday celebrations, having great Italian meals, and you know, the one thing you need for a great Italian meal is a great Chianti, of course, or nice red wine. And I didn't have my decanter at the time, and I, I, I wanted to let the, the, the wine air out a bit. And so my kids were teasing me because I put it in this. Uh, 
this uh, little thing that holds the gravy. <laughs> you know, it was. I got a really nice Chianti for Christmas. It was a really nice Chianti for our family as we were eating our 200 homemade raviolis we made for the big feast. And um, the, the Chianti was really, really good. The vessel it was in was pretty funny. <laughs> you know, it was a very earthen vessel, but I wasn't drinking this fine Chianti for the sake of the vessel. It wasn't like, oh, this is amazing gravy holder. I love this thing that holds the gravy. What an amazing vessel. No, 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 no. It was because I had a beautiful Chianti. It was the, it was the treasure that mattered the most, which was the good wine. And I think that's what we have to see is that the good wine of our salvation, the good wine of the, the sanctification, the, the change, the transformation God wants to do in our souls, that good wine of the transformation and healing God wants to do in our souls is passed on through earthen vessels, through leaders that are far from perfect, leaders that have many areas to improve, even sometimes leaders that have done bad things. But that's the way it's always been. It's been that way from the very beginning. When Jesus chose the 12 apostles, I mean, think about this. Just, just look at the 12 apostles. Were these men who were perfect, these men that are highly educated, really smart, really wise, and they'd get every answer right on the theology quiz. <laughs> no, not at all. These men are constantly confused. They misunderstand Jesus. They have to be corrected. They, they, they rarely get it right. <laughs> were these men that were full of great trust, men that were full of great love and humility. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they, they followed Jesus. So there was a lot of good going on, but we also see in the gospels very clearly that they make many mistakes like we do. They don't trust Jesus. They're afraid. They doubt. They, they struggle with pride. You know, they're comparing themselves to others and, you know, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And they, they want vengeance over their enemies. You just see them struggling with all the same kind of sins we struggle with. And again, that's encouraging to me to know that the original apostles struggled. And over time, they were changed. They were healed. They were transformed like that rod of iron put into the fire transformed and taking on the characteristics of Christ over time. I mean, think about the 12 apostles. The, the one that was put as the head of the 12, he was made the rock upon which the church would be built and the, given the keys of the kingdom, Peter. What does Peter do on Holy Thursday night? He denies Jesus three times. That's a pretty big blunder right there. But Jesus promises that his treasure is going to be passed on through earthen vessels. You see, it's not about the vessel. It's about the one giving us the treasure. Who's the treasure giver? Jesus. He's totally faithful. He's perfect. He's all powerful. He can work through the weaknesses of earthen vessels. He can work through Andrew, James, John. He works through even Peter. So from the very beginning, we see that these are very earthen vessels that Jesus is working with. And that's encouraging. I'm actually glad to know that the church is not full of only perfect people. Because if it was only perfect people, there'd be no home for me. I'm not, I'm not perfect. The church is like a hospital. It's there for our healing. It's not there for those that have perfect spiritual health. You don't go to the hospital when you're perfectly healthy. <laughs> you know, you go to the hospital when you're ill and you need a physician. And I know I have many spiritual ailments many spiritual illnesses, many weaknesses, 
I need the divine physicians. That, uh, that, that's why I go to meet Jesus, the divine physician in his hospital, the church. I, I think about something Fulton Sheen once said. He said, there are not a hundred people in the United States who hate the Catholic church, but there are millions who hate what they wrongly perceive the Catholic church to be. I think that's true. If we really understood what the church is, then we would, we wouldn't hate the church. We'd love the church. But I think people have so many false understandings. They've not studied. They don't know the catechism well. They, you know, they, they get their religious formation and their news on the church from CNN and cable television or social media. And, you know, that, that's their understanding of the church. But when you, when you want to look at what the church is, look at the men and women who've been transformed. That's the church. That's where you see the treasure of salvation, the grace given to us through the sacraments really alive, uh, even though it's passed on through earthen vessels. Maybe you know I'm, I'm a big soccer fan. And if you want to take a look at like soccer and you want to get a sense of why soccer is so beautiful, you don't watch a, you know, a group of seven-year-old boys playing soccer. <laughs> They're just running around, chasing a ball. It's not really a beautiful game. When you want to see how beautiful the game of soccer is, you look at Messi. You, you, you look at Harry Kane, you look at Ronaldo, you look at Pele, you look at all these, you know, David Beckham, you look at all these great famous soccer players and you see them playing with such great skill and you go, that is the beautiful game. The same is true with our faith. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of meeting a saint. I once had a chance to be with Mother Teresa. Uh, it was me and about maybe six other people and I was with her for about an hour, 90 minutes and it was very moving. I really had a sense. I was in the presence of someone that was very close to God, someone who is free, free from worry, free from selfishness, from pride, just fully living for God and living for others. And that's moving. It's inspiring to be in the presence of a holy person. Maybe you've not been able to meet a canonized saint, but Maybe you've met a saintly person. Maybe it's a priest, maybe a sister, could be a layman. I remember I, I've shared before, I, I lived with a wonderful, very holy Jesuit priest for about three months. His name was Father John Harden. I lived with him in Detroit at the Jesuit house there. And it was very moving. I mean, this was a man who was totally in love with the Lord, always wanted to be by him in the blessed sacrament, was so gentle, so forgiving, so courageous. Uh, you just sensed a man who had been transformed, completely healed, completely free. And it's very moving. When you, when you saw Father Hardin, you knew you were, you were seeing something of Christ in him. Well, this is the church. When you want, you want to see what Catholicism is all about, you don't look at the many weak spots. <laughs> you know, just as you, when you want to see what soccer is about, you don't look at a seven-year-old you know, that, that is running around and doesn't know how to play soccer. You don't look at a guy like me, an old guy like me, that doesn't really have the skills of soccer. You look at someone that really has the skills. That's what soccer is about. You want to know what Catholicism is about. You don't look at, at the scandals. You don't look at weakness. You don't look at the imperfections. You look at where you see Catholicism lived to the fullest. Now, I want to be clear. We're not ignoring the scandals. We're not ignoring the the many faults in the church. Uh, every person's going to go before the judgment seat of God. And even here on this earth, we need to fix those problems, address them, of course. But if I want to get to the heart of Catholicism, I look at the saints. 
But there's another question that may come up. Some people in our modern era, they say things like this, hey, I'm, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I don't really need a church. I don't need a religious organization. I have spiritual values. I believe in God. Uh, I want to be a good person, uh, but I don't really need the church. And here's, here's the problem. I think the challenge of this approach is that in the end, if I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, I'm, I'm not a part of the church, what I end up doing is making God in my own image. In other words, I, I'm inventing my own religion. <laughs> I'm tailoring a spirituality, a certain moral standard that suits my lifestyle. It, and it is going to be very comfortable for me. And I want to share with you something I wrote a number of years ago. I think I've quoted this on the show before. It comes from my book called Love Unveiled, The Catholic Faith Explained. And it's a walk through the Catholic faith, uh, addressing all the common questions people have in our modern era. And I, I point out that this idea of being spiritual but not religious would be a very appealing option for someone who still wants to have some sense of God in his life, but who wants to keep God at arm's reach and still do his own thing. <laughs> I think that's true, right? It's like somebody may just, not want to reject God, you know, so I want to, I want to keep God somewhat in my life because I deep down know there is a God, but I don't want that God too close. I, I want to still just do my own thing. So being spiritual, but not religious, that, that, oh, that, that's very convenient if I have that mentality. Uh, I go on to write, in such a case, it's easier to create my own religious and moral values, values that are comfortable for me, than it is to accept the revelation of Jesus Christ and the teaching of a church that calls me to ongoing conversion. Because that's what the church does. The church is constantly holding up for us. This is what holiness is. This is what truth is. This is what goodness is. This is how you care for the poor. This is how you live marriage. The church is constantly holding up virtue, holiness, the saints, and it challenges us. It inspires us to go, oh, I got to change. But if I'm the kind of person that doesn't want to change, if I want to just keep doing my own thing, if I don't really want to be healed, then being spiritual but not religious, is, is that, that's very attractive, right? Because I can just make up my own spiritual values that let me keep watching that Netflix show that I probably shouldn't be watching. Uh, I, I'll just keep treating my spouse this way and not really change because I don't want to have to change. Or I'll just keep clinging to my plan because I don't want to give up this thing that I think I desperately need. In other words, Jesus is asking us, do you want to be healed? Because if you do, you will follow a standard outside of yourself that comes from Jesus through his church. But if you don't really want to be healed, then just be spiritual but not religious because then everything's on your own terms. Listen to what I say here. Rather than follow a, a moral standard outside myself, one that calls me on to greater responsibility, commitment, generosity, and sacrifice, I can determine for myself what is right and wrong. I can craft my own beliefs and values that conveniently justify my current way of living. In the world of being spiritual but not religious, I can make myself my own pope in my own religion, the church of me. <laughs> See, I think that's what's really happening here. But I, I got to tell you, my friends, I, I know myself. And if I embraced being spiritual but not religious— and I was just my own Pope and my own religion, the church of me, I would make the church of me very easy. <laughs> I mean, I would want to make it, I give some little areas of being nice and being kind and all, you know, I would have some things there, but I wouldn't want something that was going to really stretch me too much. Something that would really push me. Uh, I would do something that would be very convenient for me. I know myself, I need a church, ek kalein, ecclesia. 
I need a church. I need to be called out. I need the church to call me out of myself, out of my selfishness and into Christ. I need this standard, this light shining into my soul from the outside. It's not me creating it. It's the light of Christ passed on through his church, shining the light on my soul so that I could see more clearly, oh, this is where I need to be called out of myself and into Christ. Do you want to be healed? Do you really want to be healed? Because if you do, you need his church. You need the light of his truth shining in your life, and you need the grace of his sacraments changing you. Do you want to be healed? Thanks so much for listening, my friends. If you have any questions on this topic or anything else, you can always reach me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And you can also find me on my website at edwards3.com. That's edwardsri.com. God bless.